Perfect. So, hi everyone. I'm Chris from Oliver Bernard's, our recruitment company based in London. Um, I specialise particularly in the DevOps and SRE space. Um, and with me today, we've got John Barber, a senior DevOps engineer um, with what is a, a diverse background um, and extensive knowledge across the world of technologies. Um, himself coming from a Java background prior to, to transitioning into DevOps. So um, John, I'll pass over let you do a little intro before we uh, maybe pick your brain somewhat and get an idea for, for your background and, and perception of the industry. Yeah, for sure. So um, I've been uh, I've been paid to work with computers for getting on for 30 years now. Uh, kind of like uh, when I graduated, I went to, I did a comp sci degree. And when I graduated at the time, the uh, the tech stack was kind of like more or less C and Unix. Yep. And then uh, Java came along maybe six years down the line after that. So um, kind of like uh, did Java for 15 odd years. And uh, uh, I, I really came as of age as a developer with Java. So with mm -hmm. OLP and all that kind of good stuff. And then more recently, um, I've been spending more and more time in the platform space the last five mm -hmm. years or so, uh, and uh, initially just because it, it was interesting and it needed to be done, and um, more recently just because I think it's probably one of the most exciting areas in tech right mm -hmm. now, and uh, yeah, just lots of innovation going on there, and it's become really important, so yeah, that's where I'm right now. Perfect, brilliant, and I guess that leads us on nicely to my, my first question, um, you know, relates to um, what DevOps means to you. I think a lot of businesses have different interpretations, different ideas of what it is, um, obviously, you know, based on some, some fundamental principles. But what, what does it mean to you, um, you know, as an approach, as a way of working, and, and what made you actually want to you know, move across and transition into that originally? Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. It has become such an overloaded term and, and, and you know, it's, it's, yeah. Well, for me, I think the best definition I've seen is one come up uh, with by uh, Ken Mugridge and I've got it here on the screen next to me because I wanted to get it right and so reading it <laughs> verbatim it is it's a culture where people regardless of title or background work together to imagine develop deploy and operate a system and I think that's great because um, it's all around um, just building stuff together it's all about mm -hmm. you know a, a, a very much that kind of cross-functional good stuff that that comes from when people collaborate well together and ultimately, I kind of, so that's a good definition. And I see DevOps really as kind of like the latest manifestation of like a, a line uh, going back uh, most recently to continuous delivery. And before that, Agile and XP and all that kind of stuff as well. And unfortunately, a lot of those terms have become almost trigger words for a lot of people because again, they're falling into disuse. But, but I see at its core, those principles and it's like a movement it's it's kind of like those principles just being built on and we're learning more and more ourselves about how to do stuff so for me devops is all about that stuff and um the reason why it's become so important and it's so interesting is um it's 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 the i think it's the major lever to help organizations compete effectively mm -hmm. nowadays there's that great work by Nicole Forsgren, uh, Accelerate, and, and also they've done the State of DevOps reports, which yeah. are really good. Recommend, if you have, if nobody's read them, highly recommend them because they're very digestible. 
but uh, Nicole and the crew, they did a load of uh, statistical analysis of practices. And we now have hard evidence uh, that shows the practices that are advocated in DevOps really do make a difference to the bottom line of organizations and help them compete. Yeah. And um, nowadays, you know, um, if it's such a dog eat dog world, uh, and um, DevOps is very much DevOps approach is a way that helps orgs, yeah, compete effectively and, and stay ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, perfect. I think one of the big things you said there, especially in terms of the approach, is obviously the collaborative effort. Um, you know, whereby in the past you might have you know separate teams at different ends of the life cycle. So, okay, can you do this? Can you do that? Now it's very much right. Let's meet up at the start of what what we're going to do, how we're going to achieve it, and then some work. Usually, sure. usually I've been, uh, you know, been uh, several times, been into organisations to help them, and and it's the classic, like you say, that originally the DevOps, the dev development, and the ops. I mean, different incentivization, right? Often developer yeah. dev teams are incentivized to deliver new features, ops are incentivized to keep the system stable. So mm -hmm. there's a fundamental dichotomy there, right? Because different reporting structures, and they're yeah. not, you know, very out of sync, and that's a problem. Yeah. And did you find beforehand, perhaps before DevOps was as big as it is now, that the two just might clash quite a bit, and and that was obviously the reason for businesses, you know, falling behind. You hugely. I mean, we've been in uh, been in uh, meetings uh, where it was almost uh, you could almost, if you'd written it as a drama, people would think it was unbelievable. But you could see uh, the ops guys, and you can understand why as well, because these guys had been absolutely been given a real hard time when systems went down you know because yeah. we're talking lots of money been lost so they've been beaten into the ground really and told you know keep things running and you could see you know i've been in meetings where they've been the dev team and the ops team and the ops team is just absolutely saying we are not going to put that into production because you know <laughs> we just we're scared frankly and yeah. so those human factors and you can completely see why right so yeah that's and that's one of the findings from the accelerate work from nicole's work is that um fundamentally what you need is leadership you need mm -hmm. a leadership that says no we're going to change these silos you know and and be a bit brave and but obviously evidence-based all that good stuff yeah change those aspects because it's it's all about the people at the end of the day yeah no perfect perfect i think it's really good off the oversight and sort of idea of where it's started to, to where it is now um so where we are now i mean what 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 would you say is you know your favorite maybe one or two technologies to use at present um i think we've seen a, a large growth in kubernetes in particular as, as one of the things that like you say everyone's using and, and businesses that aren't seem to be you know falling behind so what would you say is, you know personally your favorites to, to use and, and what would be the you know, applications of those that's, that's that's a really interesting point. We're, we're talking. I was talking about this the other day with um, some colleagues, and it seems at the moment in the you know the cloud native space, cloud native, mm -hmm. another term that kind of is a bit nebulous, but you know, I think yeah. we know what we mean by it. But in the cloud native space at the moment, we've almost got two streams. We've got like the Kubernetes stream and the kind of um, uh, yeah, the way that's going and that there i'd say you could say that's almost like for development teams that's a, a kind of like a low impact change by that i mean if you're writing code that conforms with the 12 factor yeah. app approach which has been around from um for you know since early 2000s then moving to kubernetes 
generally isn't too painful. So you can still more or less write software the same way you've been writing it, with a couple of yeah. tweaks. The other stream is the whole move to serverless, uh, mm -hmm. which is very interesting. And that needs a radical, uh, a radical way of change of how you write software. You, you, you cannot write software the way you used to. You know, it's all very much, you've got to buy into the serverless um, way of thinking. So you've got those two streams going on there. Um, I've got to say, um, I've spent most of my time in the Kubernetes stream, but I'm really, really interested in the serverless stream because um, it might sound odd, but uh, uh, I'd, I'd, as much as I like writing Terraform and looking after Kubernetes clusters and all that good stuff, yeah. I'd also love never have to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so going back to like that, why is DevOps so important? It's, it's about making orgs agile and able to change quickly and get business value out there quickly. Mm -hmm. And done badly, the, the Kubernetes setup and all that kind of business, it can, you can end up heaping complexity on there, more and more complexity. And I yeah. think it's quite hard not to get caught up in that. So of the two streams, I'm, I'm more interested in the serverless and just getting rid, trying to, wherever possible, let that, you know, move more and more to SaaS setup, kind of like, you know, yeah. less stuff as yourself. And, and what that means is similar to the conversations we had as an industry around QA maybe 10 years ago, where a lot of, I think a lot of QA engineers were very nervous around test automation saying, you know, what, what does that mean for my job if, if all that goes away? And if anything, what that meant was we could make jobs more enjoyable because then um, the, 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 the value you bring as a human is all around the more value-adding work, which is around exploration. Yeah. Similar with serverless, right? If you can get rid of like the day-to-day -day feeding and running of Kubernetes clusters, but then you can help looking at things like um, observability, deployment, um, how to help teams become more and more effective. Yeah. What you think done well is how DevOps brings the value. It helps create those mythical 10 times developers by taking yeah. your existing developers and just helping them do their job in a better way. And, and, and yeah. so, you know, that for me, the serverless area is very, very interesting. Yeah, perfect. No, I appreciate that. the insight there and by the sounds of things, that route could maybe sort of quite unquote trim things in places so that we can actually look at the, the wider approach as such and, and how you can improve on it from perhaps the outside looking in rather than Things are looking out. Usually. Perfect. Brilliant. Um, so yeah, obviously I, my, my next question is something that, that myself as, as a recruiter particularly, um, and my, you know, my, my colleagues particularly in the devil space have seen an impact in maybe sort of the last couple of years. Um, is the sort of need for maybe people from a software engineering background, a development background such as yourself, um, you know, opposed to just maybe sort of some of the sort of systems, sysadmin Linux guys that are looking to sort of transition across. Um, which obviously those generally speaking are the sort of two backgrounds obviously as the, the name DevOps suggests. Um, so I guess for myself, I just wanted to get an insight as to perhaps why you think that might be. You know, is it something to do with the, the fundamental software engineering principles? Um, you know, why do you think that helped you perhaps transition across into DevOps from development? Um, and I guess what, what your advice might be in that respect to, to maybe people that are, you know, dev developers now, maybe junior mid-level developers that, that might look to, to move across into DevOps. So I think um, that's a great question. I think the, the things I brought across, and again, there's no kind of like, 
uh, and I'm sure this is in the question anyway, but there's no either or, you get people from a sysadmin background who have these skills as well, but they're more prevalent in the software engineering space. Yeah. I think a big one is around uh, testing. So um, as we move more and more to infrastructure as code, so mm -hmm. with Terraform, um, well, what's interesting is as you move up that stack more and more, and more recently I found I've done less and less, say, infrastructure as code, moving more and more to like software as a service. Yeah. So less Terraform and moving more towards Kubernetes and all that kind of stuff. Um, we're moving higher and higher up the uh, software um, infrastructure as software. So, you know, uh, Terraform obviously is code in a form, which needs testing, but definitely moving more and more into Kubernetes. The stuff we're doing is getting more and more sophisticated. We're leveraging the, the abilities more and more mm -hmm. uh, and relying on it more and more. And for that, for me, uh, testing is a big part of, of making that more reliable. So yeah. um, the practices we do uh, from continuous delivery, for example, which is all around fast feedback loops and, mm -hmm. and making sure that the code we write can be deployed at any time. We can yeah. apply those into this space. I, you know, basically say if you write a Terraform module, having tests for that, all that kind of approach and, and mm -hmm. making that in from the very beginning and, and also kind of trying to think how can we detect when things have gone wrong. And that's all around, yeah, uh, general basic uh, writing tests, all that um, kind of approach, that kind of um, testing, test-driven development. Although that's another conversation I was having recently as well. Sadly, yeah. I think, strictly speaking, test-driven development, you can't do in the infrastructure space for various reasons, but you can definitely do um, uh, work out how you can put testing in there as a first-class concern. And around, especially around observability, all those, like we are saying before, bringing the value add, as we move higher and higher up that stack, I think you're getting more and more into writing code to get the value mm -hmm. add out of that. Um, yeah. So I think that's a, a big movement at the moment. And that's the also um, Google, you know, the, 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 the material that's come out of Google recently around SRE. Um, I believe Google, that's Google's definition of SRE is bringing software development principles to operating. So basically yeah. writing stuff in code. And, and the other thing I think which is really promising as well is we're seeing more and more as we move up that stack, say, for example, in Kubernetes, we've got the oper um, operators uh, approach, which is a relatively new approach. That's really nice. Being able to encode behavior we want to see as code means you can test it, deploy yeah. it. And it takes a lot of that manual error prone stuff away and mm -hmm. leverage things like Kubernetes, um, the continual inspect and um, reconcile loop is really valuable. So being able to leverage all the, the abilities to write that in code is extremely powerful, I think. Yeah. Um, and what I'd say is advice to people coming up, um, for developers who are interested in this, I'd say just do it because even if, because the reason I got involved originally was I was just really interested in kind of like, okay, I, I can remember originally it was around um, load balances in Amazon. So how does that work? How do we make our software more available and better, you know? And yeah. I think it's go with that interest if you've got it, because even if you don't end up doing much in the platform space, it will make you a better engineer. Understanding mm -hmm. how this stuff works will make you a better engineer. Yeah. And also what I'd say to people coming from more traditional admin background, uh, sysadmin background, um, that I think one of the good things more recently is uh, there's a lot of demystifying of uh, software development being a, a special thing. It isn't, it's a skill. 
yeah. anybody can learn it. Don't feel off put if you haven't got a computing science background or any of that stuff. It's a skill. You can learn it. We'll all get better at this stuff. So I think that for both camps, I guess what I'm saying in a very long winded way is keep that um, growth mindset. You can mm -hmm. learn this stuff and it will make you a better engineer, whether it's from sysadmin side or development side, just, just yeah. follow your interests. Perfect. Brilliant. And um, yeah, I guess as you mentioned there in the first instance, I guess the, the key fundamental there is that you'll be able to, to put those practices in place and, and sort of you know, pick up errors along the way or, or anything that might be wrong, I guess, is, is the time-saving element. You know, if you, if, you, if you can do all of those, go bit by bit through every single one of those procedures, then I guess you can save time and, and then I guess businesses will save money at the same time. We, and everything that goes into production is, is already, I guess, developed so and tested. Yeah, so a concrete example of the last gig I just did, uh, they'd adopted GitOps, Kubernetes. Yeah. So we, when we, we helped them, uh, originally what they had is they had a pipeline where they uh, packaged up their deployment, went all the way through to Kubernetes, deployed it. So the pipeline was green, but it never actually went live in the cluster. And I'm not joking, we spent about an hour working out what had happened and in the end it was because there was a annotation missing from the deployment yeah so you think of all that time that was like hours kind yeah. of wasted right so what we did sat down with the team went back in the, the pipeline up to the point where the um, helm chart was being mm -hmm. uh, created and in the pipeline we could put a little test in there to make sure the annotation was in there and that was detected like within a commit of to the helm chart and that took maybe a minute for that problem yeah. to be encountered so you know that we were reducing from like hours down to like minutes to find that yeah. problem so that's a that's a, a really good concrete example of exactly that the feedback loops and we did that in code so it's yeah. a nice example yeah no good to just we're getting example in practice there and uh yeah shed some light on the like you say um i guess couple of sort of final wrap-ups, I guess we covered most sort of bases there of your background, interests, etc. What, what you think for the industry and I guess one one big thing is maybe what might might be coming up. Obviously we've discussed how it's developed from its inception and, and the sort of theory behind DevOps. Um, at the, the sort of fundamental technology level, um, you know, beyond the sort of DevOps practices, what, what do you think might be the, the next big thing or something to watch or, or maybe a technology that you see growing and, and being adopted quite heavily by more and more businesses, you know, in the next sort of couple of years? I, I, I think it definitely, I think serverless, I think that yeah. is going to become so, such a, a um, I think it's just the benefits are going to be quite something. And the one thing that really caught my eye recently, um, kind of like a, almost like a, uh, this is serverless disappearing even more into the fabric of things yeah. is, the Lucid stuff that Fastly is doing, which is okay. all around running WebAssembly on their edge network, which is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, being able to kind of uh, yeah. move what was running in the browser onto their edge network in, in a serverless, that's, that's got some really interesting uh, possibilities behind it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really early days, we'll have to see what happens, but that, that, yeah. that's really quite exciting, for example. Yeah. You could see that grow quite extensively then over the next two, three years or so. I, I, I think so. I think, uh, you know, uh, function as a, uh, just as a compute facility that you can basically just fire and forget is, is yeah, quite something. Yeah. 
Perfect, brilliant. And I guess one one thing um, I do want to pick your brain on particularly, um, obviously quite topical at the minute, with everyone being working from home, um, obviously varying companies you know, have different policies, um, you know, everyone needs to be on site, some people are, you know, some companies are a bit more flexible, you know, sometimes it's a case by case basis. So I guess obviously we're all learning now, um, whether or not by choice or the fact that we're forced to. <laughs> Um, we, we are all learning and, and companies are obviously adopting new measures. I, I guess myself, I just wanted to, to ask you, you know, in the past, have, how have you found working from home, different team members, have you found it really impacts projects much? Can, can efficiency, productivity still be the same? And perhaps where you see, you know, the current circumstances now and events, how that might impact the, the sort of landscape of, of remote working and work from home further down the line? Uh, so that's a really interesting question. Um, so uh, it, it can work really well. Uh, but there's there's so many there's so many factors to take into account though. One one of which we touched on earlier, of course, is culture of your company. Yeah. If it's um, the level of trust in the company, um, but also there's all other factors, human factors as well. Whereas there's no two ways around it. Being face to face with somebody in the same room often is is the better way to go because you know uh, all the bandwidth to do with nonverbal communication so important and getting that empathy going on however saying having said that balancing with other benefits of remote work and working from home um, it can work and you get other benefits as well so I've seen it work well uh, where there's what some things where it has worked well is where there was already a fairly good culture of pairing or mm -hmm. of knowledge sharing yeah um, uh, and also um, the other interesting aspect of it as well is that you've got to be a bit more deliberate about it as well. So in some ways that's a benefit. You know, if you're co-located in the same space, you can um, uh, do things on an ad hoc basis that can work well. But when you're mm -hmm. remote, you've got to put a little bit more thought into a bit more planning, which, mm -hmm. which can bring benefits as well. Um, also, other things that I've seen work well as well is when you've you, companies have or organisations have um, explicitly factored into things like the non-working dynamic. So, for example, a big aspect of being in the office is the social dynamic and all that yeah. great stuff you get from that. So, just a simple thing such as like having a Slack channel where the whole purpose of that channel is just to talk non-work stuff and being yeah. honest and say this is what humans do, you know, and it's fine to yeah. be in this channel. And talk rubbish. Um, yeah. You know, nobody's going to say, "Why aren't you?" You know, hunched over your keyboard, cranking <laughs> up. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's a complex one, and um, but I think it can work, and I I think it, um, I think it is going to make it. I think things are going to change quite a bit on the back of this. I think uh, remote work will become more and more dynamic. Um, yeah. But we'll have to see. Yeah, I think I guess quite ironically probably reflects the. You start a conversation around DevOps, you know, focuses wholly on, you know, how people interact, level of collaboration and, and sort of how they alter that dynamic really and, and make it work. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I guess it's a, a something that obviously everyone is talking about at the moment and, and something that we could see change quite heavily, uh, you know, further down the line, maybe six months, a year, however, however long this lasts for. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was good to, to sort of get your insight there based off your experiences. Um so yeah, I think that's everything. Really appreciate your time and, and obviously the, the insights there. Um, good to sort of pick your brain and, and get an idea for your interpretation of the industry and, and the technology used. Thank you very much. Perfect. Cheers, John. Thanks, Thanks for that. Chris.